Welcome to Curva Mundial. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Curva Mundial. I am your host, Sal Bono, and today we head to the enchanting country of Thailand, where we are joined by the co-founder of Thai League Central, an editor of Football Tribe, and Wontong Mon- United supporter, Jian Chansri Chadla. Did I get it right? Did I do it right? You're pretty close, pretty close, yeah. Can you give the beautiful pronunciation of your last name, your surname to everybody? The way it's supposed okay. to be sound, not supposed to be coming from my moronic lips. <laughs> I don't think it's a correct supposed to sound because it's a, both a Thai and an Indian last name like put together. It, it's, a, it's a weird, it's not a, have a right way to say it. So it's always hard for me to guide people, but it's Chan Sri Chavala. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm excited to take a trip to Thailand with you and examine the beautiful game there. I sadly know next to nothing about football in Thailand. So explain to us off the bat what it is like for the game in your country and how is it different from the styles that you've watched in Europe and in mm. North and South America? Mm, I'd say that, uh, I mean, interestingly for me, like my first football experience was watching the Premier League, like most people in Asia. Um so I, I grew up a Chelsea fan. My dad was a Chelsea fan. He also um, was in London uh, back in the day for his own university. So he's a Chelsea fan. I grew up as a Chelsea fan. And and actually, I went to Stamford Bridge before I ever set foot in a Thai league ground, which is kind oh. of strange. But it's a very common experience for people in in uh, East Asia to support a European football team instead of their own local team. Um, but I started supporting Meng Pong, uh I think when I was around 13 or 14 years old, um, because they were close to my school and they, they their youth team came to train at my school one time. So I was like, yeah, why not? Um, I discovered they were one of the like biggest two or three teams in Thailand after that. And I was like, well, cool. There's interesting facilities. I, I would I would say it's just everything, uh, a lot of things similar to Europe, but on a on a smaller scale where you're much closer to the action. So if if you stay around after a game in the Thai league, there's a good chance you can meet the players as they you know leave the stadium, and there's a good chance you get a photo with them. Um, but and yet the atmosphere, um, a lot more drums. I'd say a lot more in like like playing drum. A lot more there's like coordinated sections. So like you give it ultra stand, and like behind that stand there'll be someone like singing with a megaphone. And then they'll like coordinate and the chance will be like led by this person. Um, and I'd also say that there's a lot more uh, gender balance among fans in Thailand. Oh, so people will come awesome. with their families. Yeah, people will come with their families um, where maybe it's like 80% male in, in, in the UK stadiums, maybe even 90%. I'd say it's more like 60% male in, in Thai stadiums. So it's a lot more gender balanced very family friendly i've never felt in danger no that's a lie i have, I have felt in danger. i might be able to tell some of those stories of feeling in danger but most of them were not from being an average fan they were from other instances but never mind yeah you're usually not <laughs> the average fan is not in danger at a type of ball stadium it never feels like they're in danger so it it's a very like warm and friendly atmosphere okay which, mm-hmm. you know, because the thing is with the drumming and the section support, it sounds like what we see here in MLS in America. It sounds like what I'm accustomed to watching City on mm-hmm. Italy. It seems to have drawn from 
the best things of yeah. every league around the world. Would you say that? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, <laughs> uh, Muntong's South Sand, they call themselves the uh, as well. So, and they have a sign that says that. So, yeah, it, it draws them all over the place. Um, a lot of the like the chants and the anthems you would just hear like it's an anthem of a European team, but like just changed. Um, and then the words are in Thai. But yeah, it, it draws from all over the world. But most people in in Thailand grew up. I'd say Premier League is number one, so everyone's sporting team. And I'd say maybe maybe uh, La Liga is two, and then maybe Serie A is third. I've met some. Oh, and um, Tong's kits this year are intentionally based off AC Milan. Uh, so the, the, we we're usually all red, but this year we're uh, red and black stripes. And our away kit is it's a direct replica of um, one AC Milan away kit, which is white and then red and black like striped uh, hoop across the middle. So, well, yeah, they just, uh, you just sold me <laughs> on becoming a fan of that team because we love my club. So this works. This is this, oh wow. okay. There we go. Uh, this is perfect. Uh, <laughs> this is great. Uh, you know, one thing I've seen about Thai soccer fields is that, and we talked about this in the pre-interview, but the beautiful waterfront pitches and sometimes even floating pitches in Thailand, like, you know, where kids are playing, but is mm. it beautiful like that all over the country? Because you also have sent me what some of these stadiums look like. And the thing is, is mm. that there's a misconception I feel about what football and soccer and stadiums are like in Thailand and that part of the world what you have sent me are gorgeous things so explain to me and explain to the audience here mm. what some of these stadiums are like and have you ever played on any of those beautiful floating waterfront pitches that <laughs> I'm talking about okay no I I've never been to Kapani, which is that floating pitch on the I've never been to that I want to go to that um but no that's like one percent of Thai football stadiums like they're not they're mostly not in these exotic locations they're just like average stadiums and the one I, the photo I sent you that you're referencing is Buriram United's uh, stadium called the Chang Arena. It's the largest purpose-built football stadium in Thailand. Um, and it is a direct copy of Leicester City's King Power Stadium. Like every seat is the same. Every toilet even is the same. And um, this was verified. I mean, I heard the story from someone who used to work at Buriram. And that was like, he, the staffer didn't realize until Sven Goran Eriksson came by and walked around the ground and was like, oh, I recognize this place. This is very familiar. It's and then and then the owner's like, yeah, that's that's just that's that's Leicester Stadium just transplanted here. Um but yeah that again that's the best stadium in Thailand for facilities um size as a purpose built stadium. Most stadiums in Thailand are pretty they're they're not great, I have to tell you. A lot okay. of stadiums are not great. Um, there's a very famous club in Thai League 2 called the Renong United, and they're famous because their pitch is a mud bath. Um, the coach of an away team, uh, Sukhothai, once went there. He, he was a German coach. He went there, and then he he put on, on social media afterwards, uh, welcome to the mud wrestling stadium in Renong. And then it, that post kind of went, people like picked it up, and that's like a, a running joke now in, in, in fact, We call it the mud wrestling stadium now, because it is that. It looks like that. And a lot of these... Um, most clubs have stadiums that are owned by the Sports Authority of Thailand. So they often have like running tracks and they're kind of like, no one has incentive to renew them because the club doesn't own it and the Sports Authority won't invest. Um, so having your own stadium is a huge benefit. So all those nice stadiums you see are uh, mostly owned by the club themselves. So my club, Tong, owns our own stadium. Um, 
uh, Buri Ramiyadik owns their own stadium. You might want to try Ratchaburi as well. They try, own their own stadium at BG Petro United. These four, off the top of my head, oh, and Chiang Rai United, off the top of my head are the like five that are owned by their club and then they, they're really good and they're like modern. Um, but yeah, I'm sure I'm missing and annoying some fans somewhere by not mentioning their stadium too, but yeah. What's crazy is, is that this also sounds what the same situation is going on in Italy, where if you own your stadium, you're doing great and there is no track and there, and, but everything else is kind of owned by the municipalities. So it's the same situation in different parts of the world. What is interesting though, uh, is the fact that, uh, Leicester is owned by a Thai family. Is that correct? Right. So am I ignorant to say that, Leicester's a huge team in Thailand because of that or is that just a misconception and people respect them for owning this mm. uh, historic team but Arsenal and United, Manchester United and Chelsea are still the bigger yeah. clubs yeah so obviously Leicester became a lot more popular in Thailand um, since the takeover by King Power Group but I'd still say Liverpool is still number one Man U is number two those two like Every every Thai person supports you know a Premier League club pretty much, and and most of them have never heard of their local team. But Liverpool is huge, and the celebrations when Liverpool won the title a few years ago were absolutely huge. I know that um, some like people that I know um, like were part of a group that rented an uh, open top tour bus, <laughs> and they had a fake like a, a mock up Premier League trophy, and they went on their tour bus, and went around Bangkok on their tour bus with the trophy. So there's. <laughs> Yeah, it's Liverpool is huge in Thailand, absolutely huge. Man U is huge. Um, Chelsea, Arsenal are some way behind. I don't think Spurs have made it to the Thai market so much. Um, and then I'd say Leicester is just below. Yeah, uh, Leicester probably fifth behind Chelsea, Arsenal, and then and then and then Leicester probably there. Wow, that's awesome. I also I love that passion. <laughs> I I absolutely love that passion. Please tell me that when Chelsea won Champions League a few years ago, you were doing that. You rented an open yeah. bus. And, oh, yeah, the I was, I was, <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I was here. I was in, I was in London um, watching it on TV. It was, it was good. It was fun. But, I mean, yeah, you were no, right in the middle of the action. Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Thailand is the most successful football team as a, as a national side in Southeast Asia with six AFF championship trophies, but has failed to qualify for a World Cup. They came close in 2002 and in 2018. What is it like mm-hmm. not seeing your country on such a big international stage, despite the fact that they are so good in that region of the world? Right. I mean, um, for us, we have a saying that the AFF Cup is the World Cup for us in Southeast Asia, because none of us have a chance of making the World Cup. Like, we've, we've given up on it. And we're like, well, the AFF Cup is the... But then it's a weird thing for Thailand. So we're like, Thailand is... Um, our target's not the World Cup, and like the World Cup's is too far in the. It's not our target is the Asian Cup, right? And we usually qualify for that. Ever since it's become twenty four teams, we're pretty much a uh, like a guarantee, almost guaranteed in the twenty four teams in Asia. So the target is closing the gap on countries like Japan, South Korea, uh, Iran, Saudi Arabia. That's the target. They close the gap on them. Be competitive against them. Um, because we're so successful in Southeast Asia, um. It's sort of expected that we win in Southeast Asia. Um, but recently, Vietnam has risen a lot. And I think Vietnam have gotten closer to the World Cup than we did recently. Um, and that, that's that been uh, 
like it's it's really agitated Thai fans a lot, and I think that for Thai fans, instead of and I I, I complain about this all the time on Twitter, instead of appreciating the fact that our rivals have gotten better, we get too nationalistic and we complain and we get mad at our players for not beating Indonesia, Vietnam, Malaysia. But I'm like, actually, them getting better is the key for us all getting closer to the World Cup and the, you know, the, the Asian Cup. I think this might be the first time this is that all of the big four uh, regional countries are in the world, uh, the Asian Cup. I believe it's the first time. Indonesia, Malaysia, Vietnam, Thailand. All four are in it. And, and, I'm, and I think everyone in Asia agrees it's going to be way more fun now that, that, that we're all in the Asian Cup. Like, Indonesia are the best fans in the world. Like, they are in terms of like how they get behind their country right vietnamese fans incredible atmosphere thai fans incredible atmosphere you know and i think that bringing that and getting that to it like if we these countries are competing regularly with with the best in asia that's good for the whole continent of asia once we get there then we can think about the world cup but that that's really far in the future wow you know what do you think thailand needs to do in order to qualify for the world cup i know it is further in the future mm. But what 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 is what at least the stepping stones now? As you said, they're the competition is getting better, so that maybe they mentality wise players step it up. Like, hey, I don't want Vietnam to win. We were here longer. We've been doing it better. Mm-hmm. That sort of mentality. Yeah. So that's obviously a step. But what else needs to happen? Right. So it's one is the quality of the league has to improve. Like the quality of the league is it's really like not that high because it's very young, right? And People who complain about the league being not great, well, it professionalism in Thailand is very recent. And, and I think it only around 2007, 2008, it became really professional. Before then, it wasn't really that good. So it, it's very recent that, that clubs even have these facilities and these like professional structures and like a media department and like a business like department. Like these things are, are new to these clubs. Like before, Back in the 90s, people tell me like players would turn up on motorbikes like 10 minutes before kickoff and just get on the pitch and play. So like to come from that in the 90s to where we are now is really impressive. But that gets lost in the in the whole like, oh, we're so far behind like the J League, for example, which is the ghost island in Asia. So the first one is improving the league. And the second one is getting players to play in better leagues. And that's very important. Um Again, the same coach I mentioned earlier, his name is Dennis Amato, and he, he is part of an academy in, in, in Thailand um, that's like affiliated with Bayern Munich, and they train players, and they've started training players from the age of 12. And he says his target is to have these players not play in Thailand at all. The target is to get them straight from playing in, in, his, in their academy straight to playing in Japan or Germany or lower leagues in Germany, lower leagues in Spain, um, because that's like once you go to a Thai league club, it said that like suddenly you become complacent because you earn a decent living in a very nice country to live in and you have no incentive to, to, to leave. Right. right. Um, so we're, we're caught in the middle where um, if you send a player too young, that's bad because that, you know, not good for their own development, being away from their family, uh, being up from the country that, that slows the development. And we've seen many players who have gone abroad at a young age and just like completely tailed off. But on the other hand, playing in the Thai league, um, you get a relative amount of fame and stardom. You're very comfortable. And the Thai league, I'd say we, we pay very well for the quality of the, like the salaries are very good for the quality on show. So like the equivalent quality in Japan would earn a 
lower salary, for example. So then players don't want to leave. So that's that's the that's the conundrum we're in. Like how do we how do we create an incentive structure for players to go play in better leagues? Because it will take decades for our league to catch up. So how do we get our players into those leagues like sooner? Right. And, you know, you also don't want to invest too quickly, like we saw in China with the Chinese Super League, where mm-hmm. it like sort of implodes mm-hmm. over like very as fast as the money comes in. It also goes out, yeah. you know, signing yeah. like insane players for insane contracts and thinking that like this is going to turn on fandom and improve yeah. Chinese soccer. But did it? I You know, I don't think it did. Sure. I like mm-hmm. go and like see what. Fabio Cannavaro, who, you know, where he was managing and, you know, watch what was going on with Dembaba or Graziano Pele, but it wasn't, and Tevez for like the two weeks that he played in China, mm-hmm. like, but it wasn't mm-hmm. enough for me to sustain it and say, oh, that's a really good Chinese player or that's a really good Chinese man. Yeah. Um, so you don't want that either. Mm-hmm. When you said about the J League as the gold standard, is it because what the J League did was so slow and steady and mm-hmm. did that like okay we are not going to rush into anything but we will get names over time they had skilachi in the 90s they uh iniesta when he retired went there you know which is great so they get a name once in a while and slow build slow build slow build but then obviously money comes in and you know fandom comes in and stadiums as you said and now you have japanese players all over the world yeah that so that being the gold standard how can Thailand achieve that? Mm. The other thing about Japan, you've, you, all the stuff you mentioned is absolutely true. The other thing is that they're very responsible with their with their spending and that there's always expenditure and revenue are somewhat related. Um, the problem with Thailand is that expenditure and revenue are not. Like expenditure way outpaces revenue because there's uh-huh. so many like local, like, you know, like there's many, there's a lot of, very wealthy people in Thailand who want to get, you know, raise their popularity. So they'll buy a football team. Um, there's a lot of local politicians who want to um, win their 200,000 term in office in their local province. So they decide to buy the local football team just to further their dominance over that province in Thailand. Um, so the, they, that's how they, like, the the money, the, the people who invest in Thai football do it because of returns that are not on the pitch. Right, with popularity, political favor, other stuff. It's not from something the pitch, and that's that's where it's like China light, right? It, it's not gonna, it's not on the scale of China, thankfully. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the way to fix that, I mean, you can't like suddenly turn around and impose like here are the financial rules to make sure that all the money is so it, it's not that doesn't do anything, right? The, that that isn't like you can't do that. One, nobody would do that, and and even if they could, it wouldn't make it like it couldn't be enforced. So what's going to happen is people who are instead watching like Man U at 7.30 on a Sunday evening have to go and watch, you know, Bangkok United instead. And I, I say that because I have a like a really close friend who, you know, we watch the Premier League together all the time. And then I'll go to a Thai league game and I'll miss a Chelsea game. And be like, oh, why are you betraying your club? I'm like, no, no, Meng Tong is my club. Like my local team is my club. Um, but most of my, my friends wouldn't make that trade off. They're like, I'm a Man U fan. I'm going to watch Man U instead. Which you know, you cannot blame them. The quality of a United game is way higher than the quality of a Thai league game. You know, you can't blame a, a fan for wanting to watch a, have a more exciting experience, right? Like, do I want to go 
and risk the ball getting stuck in the mud. And then, you know, after 60 minutes, players are dead from the heat. Like, do I want to watch that? Or would I rather, you know, watch a really exciting game of, of, of you know, City versus United? Obviously, right? So that's, like, you can't blame them either. Um, but it's, again, it's one of those, like, that's where we're stuck, right? Like, right. the product won't improve until people go and watch, but people won't go and watch until the product improves. And then revenues will stay flat because no one's going to watch. But I don't, I'm not sure exactly how the J-League were able to get over that hurdle, but they have way better attendances, way better merchandising, um, way better, like, you know, off the pitch, on the pitch, everything, you know, and they, they, they improve. And some people, like J-League, people cover the J-League, will, they complain about that stuff all the time. Like, you know, you don't know how good you have it. I'm like, right. come here and look around. But yeah, that's the thing. It's it's getting people interested, and turning that turning that into revenue, so that expenditure and revenue are somewhat like it's not completely reliant on the money, like the personal money of owners and wherever that comes from. Wow, that's so. Now, as you can hear, he knows what mm. he's talking about. But you wanted yeah. to highlight Thai soccer to the world and co-founded Thai League Central. What is that, mm-hmm. and how did that come about? Right, so Thai Central is with my my two friends, Ta and Ob, who are both big. Um, they've been in the media, Thai media, for a long time. We were all sort of doing. So I used to work with Football Tribe. I no longer do work with Football Tribe. And Ob was my colleague at Football Tribe. And then we just met Ta, who was doing his own thing, and we sort of decided, let's just we're all doing the same thing. Let's just sort of uh, come together. Unfortunately, as of this year, I'm not super involved in it uh, right now. I might return to be more involved in the future. But our our thinking was like, there's not there's no real English language uh, media outlet with a fan's perspective and a, and a general perspective. Like a lot of clubs have fans, foreign fans who will make pages for the individual clubs. Right. But there's no one taking a general perspective of like, how is the league like really doing? So we wanted to try and be that. Like be half professional media outlet, half like fan view. Um, it's been tough. It's been it's been tough, like knowing how to pitch ourselves, knowing like who our audience is, what our market is. But I think right now, our we, for personal reasons, we're not really active on the website. Mm-hmm. But on social media, we try to keep people updated, and we find ourselves many times in the position of spotting things that um, mainstream media doesn't spot, and being like, "Wow, how 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 did like." Well, people, the three people in their twenties like, spot like this thing. Oh, let's report on it, and it's kind of what we do. Really. Just... That's awesome. I mean, that it, I feel like sometimes now, and I, we were talking about earlier in the pre-interview too. That what's great about so there's a near between John and I. There's a uh, uh, twenty year, almost a twenty year age gap, as we learned um, uh, earlier. <laughs> And what's crazy is, is that, and what I love to see is, is that younger generations, people like yourselves are taking it into their own hands and saying, you know what, why isn't this being covered? Why aren't I being represented? I'm just going to do it myself. To me, it's the ultimate punk rock thing that someone can do <laughs> just by doing it. You know, you get in the van and you go play and you do what you got to do, you know, but, and you're doing it on such a global platform and bringing it to an audience for people like me, who's, it's basically Thai soccer for dummies. So thank you so much. 
And what is thank you? Oh, my pleasure, man. Like it's I just love learning about new cultures and I just love learning about the sport and how it's played everywhere, hence the name of the podcast. But what is it about the Thai league that you find so special and how people can learn more about it? Mm. So are you asking me like how I got into it or like or what I think about that like now? Let's do both. Which one? Okay. So I got into it because well I I was basically like jealous of people who lived in England and got to go to stadiums all the time and I was like that's that's not fair. I think my first ever Chelsea game at Stamford Bridge was the the one nil win over Barca in the Champions League. And I was like twelve, eleven. What a game! Uh, what a game to go yeah. to for your first. And I was like, I was like, yo, can I like? The people are so lucky. Like people who live around here just come to the, and experience this like every week. That's insane. Like how come I don't? But then I realized, like, oh, I, 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 I do. Like, I have the chance. Right? It's not on the same level, but there is a local league, right? So I opened up Thai league Wikipedia. I like looked like which one is closest to me. I shortlisted a few options, and I found the one that was like, oh, this one's playing in my school. Like, yeah, this is the club I won the sport. So then that's how I. So I, I initially it was just like, it's it's local and that's enough. Like I want to experience being in a football stadium because watching it on TV is a completely different like experience, right? I just missed like, so I'd finally got to experience them. I want to be in a stadium, and and in a stadium with with an atmosphere where everyone's like backing the club and and, and there's a connection, and I think that that is even maybe more pronounced in in Thailand than it is if you go to to Chelsea right now because. Uh, it's a relatively small group. You're very close to the action, right? If you go every week, conceivably, a player will remember you eventually, right? You go every single week and you meet them after every game, so you're very close to the action, and you feel like you're part of it, and you feel like you're part of something small that's going to grow eventually, right? Um, there have been many setbacks, many issues. COVID was a huge issue. Um, a lot of FA decisions that have made people, you know made people's blood boil the way we're going sometimes. But I think that the feeling that we're part of something that's going to grow and we're like near the, like being part of it from an early, like from the beginning and growing with it is a really appealing idea. And I think most people who support Thai football uh, get that. And that's where they keep coming back. And they keep coming back, even if the football, even if you went last week and like you, you saw a mud, like you saw them rolling on in the mud and there was like no goals and like, three red cards and, 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 and 20 minutes wasted on VAR. Yeah, we have VAR for some reason. I don't know why, but we have VAR. And it's made the game infinitely worse because the refs are bad enough without it and they're worse with it. Uh, but even if you got to watch 20 minutes of VAR, 30 minutes of injury breaks, like you feel like you're part of something that's going to grow and that's what people keep coming back for. I love it. One thing that is a bit mind-boggling to me is that soccer in Asia is not new. But it's treated as such. It's treated as a new sport by the media on the, and as we talked about, and I hate this phrase, the Western part of the world, like in in Europe and in North America. Why is that? And what do you want people to know about the game in the continent and especially in Thailand that we're here and we've been here? Just, you know, give us some shine now. Yeah, it's like, it's like we're not, we're not great, but we're not a joke. Sometimes we're a joke, but Japan and Korea are not a joke. <laughs> Some countries in Japan, we're here and we're not a joke. And the, the standard of football, if you watch the Asian Cup, right, the, which is going to happen um, 
supposed to be next summer, but they just announced it's in Qatar, and I'm not happy about that. I but just be, I okay, I just read yep. that right before mm-hmm. we came on, and I was yep. a bit like, yep. ah, okay, I'm not happy about that. But whenever that's going to be, it's probably winter next winter now. The standard of football on display at the Asian Cup is it's not nothing to be scoffed at. It's 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 very high, and I think so many Asian players have gone to Europe and made a big impact. And so I, I, I think it could be excused if, you, if you've like, if you've never, like if no Asian players had ever gone to Europe and like, then you could excuse it for the, the, the coverage being like, what is this? But um, like the fact that you've experienced and you've seen it and you've seen like how good these players can be, the coverage to still be like, this is quite mind boggling. And I think the example of, um, I, I think Ange Postacoglu at Celtic, mm-hmm. he, he's a, yeah. right. So, um, I so he used to coach Yokohama, which had a Thai player playing for them. So I used to watch Yokohama quite a bit to watch Kiraton, who was their left back. And his football was excellent. And then Celtic picked him up. And then the the British media, and I was I was I was seeing on Talksport when it happened, they were like, Who is this guy? Where does he come from? Like where are they pulling these people out from? And I'm like, the standard of football is great. Like, give him a chance. And I think he's 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 dominating in Scotland right now, right? So that's a example. Yeah, if you give uh, players managers from Asia a chance they will they will make a they can make a huge impact and I think the Qatar World Cup you will see and I it's unfortunate because so many things about Qatar are not ideal for it being a showcase of Asian football unfortunately right um, and I wish that wasn't the case you know I, I, I wish I wouldn't talk about the horrific human rights issues that are associated with the World Cup, but you have to, you can't ignore them. And it, it, it's, it's massive and very unfortunate that this is the showcase. And it's, it's, I almost feel horrible to look beyond that, but at some point we will, because the games will start. And when the games start, you will see that Asian clubs, Asian, Asian countries are gonna do uh, a solid job, I think. And even Qatar themselves, they're in a very tough group, but they've been building this generation of players since they were young. Um, with the same coaching staff uh, and building it up. And I think that they will surprise people. Um, again, Japan, super tough group, but they will surprise people. Korea will do well. So, yeah, I think I think that it it's looking positive, but I and I, I just hope that eventually the Western countries' media will will catch on and be like, okay, they're actually they're actually like improving very quickly. For sure, because you know, the same is said about, you're what you're saying if you just replace asia with africa it's the same thing mm. and it's and mm. it's kind and it like it it gets my blood boiling so much because so many great players come from these two continents and mm. but so like obviously they come from somewhere obviously you know those <laughs> leagues have to be so, you know something like it's how, how is it preposterous that sadio mane comes from this weird you know weird place yeah. that oh, i've never visited well senegal is not a weird place it's a beautiful place and they have great mm-hmm. footballers and, and the same thing goes for korea and the same thing goes for japan and, and other places too that i think like the media here, this, yeah, I don't want to say just the British media because it's a lot, but yeah. they haven't had a yeah. so far that it just, <laughs> if they're not from South America and they're not from Europe, then they can't be good. Well, mm. you know, I'll never forget like when Kayla Navas, you know, Costa Rica, it's like one of the greatest goalkeepers this century, you know, and it's just, yeah. Yeah. what's what's Costa Rican football like? Well, if he's coming from there, 
maybe now it's time to pay a little bit more attention. I yeah, I love yeah. getting this perspective and I love what you everything that you said. Uh, but and it's and it's so good and it's so truthful. And I and as you're speaking, I'm like, well, if you replace Asia with Africa, people will, you know, it, it's the same, it's the same thing that it's this mm. bias that if they're not from Europe or South America, that's it. Like they can't come from anywhere else. Is a similar point to that. Like it's also you can see it with football analysis where people like sometimes will be put into a into a into a box based on their race that's not related to how they play. So like you like if a player is 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 Spanish, um, they're be more easy to be praised for like their technical quality and like their passing, their vision. When a player is is like of an African origin, they're more easy to be praised for their like physicality and that. And that's kind of like alarming when you realize it because i never realized it till i read like a bbc article which explained it and i'm like that's alarming that, that football coverage does that and for asians the stereotype is like hard working and like um yeah basically it's hard working and kind of technical but like you know that's it but like no they are asian players of all different forms of of the of yeah. the game right? right like the same way that they're fantastic playmakers from you know all different countries and like to, to box people in subconsciously based on those like racial that's like that also is very disturbing to me because like they'll be they'll be like fantastic like midfielders of like african origin who are fantastic playmakers but they'll be praised for their physicality i'm like no he's he's, he's dominating the game based on his passing and vision like why are you you know and it's just like for asian players like yeah it's all it, it the stereotype is okay they're usually like a probably a, a midfielder um probably work really hard and play a few good passes and just run their socks off. But I'm like, no, there's there's all types of of players from all over the world. And that's that's great. We should celebrate that. And but no, but that's that's so well said because that's the thing, is that we we box play, you know, I, I hear it all the time with you if you watch the Euros, especially uh mm-hmm. You know, when you heard every time a British announcer would come on, it would be, well, this is not your father's Italy. It's, well, yeah, why? Because we're not defending <laughs> for 90 minutes and attacking? Like, yeah, I get oh that. I, you're right. It's not my dad's yeah. Italy. But my dad's Italy also qualified for every World Cup. So you're right. It's not. It's, yeah. um, you know, his <laughs> no. son's Italy doesn't. <laughs> but, but, you, but you get what I'm saying? Where it's And it goes back to what you're saying, too, is that it, it, they do that with every country. And they do that with, and there's, of course, there's that joke that they people make online about in fifa there's the, there's the prem league tax where if a player comes from premier league and fifa the video game and he goes to another team it's like anglo-saxon player has always gotten mm-hmm. a little bit more um leeway if you will in terms of like yeah this their quality and what they're supposed to be able to do whereas everyone else is sort of again goes back to what you were saying like how could mm-hmm. how could this Asian player be a great defender? They're only supposed to be midfielders. No, mm-hmm. they're players. They're supposed to be everything. Yeah, and then and then I'll, I'll point to like Maya Yoshida at Hampton. I'm like, did you not see him? Like that, like he's like a physical monster right now. Kim Min Jae in Napoli as well. Like he's nicknamed the monster. And I'm like, okay, these players are like breaking the mold and they're showing like, yeah, a, a player from Asia can do something just like hardworking and like run around. Like they can do anything. They can like dominate games and. Also, um, about the whole like prem tax thing, like I have to think like if you're a club in, in, in Europe, like surely you'd be looking at the Asian market. Because if you look at like how much Celtic paid for those like Japanese players they signed, like peanuts for the quality they've got and like they're some of the best players like in, in, in the Scottish league right now. I'm like, why don't more European clubs look this way? 
but then yeah i'll, I'll save the rent <laughs> i love it I, I love the passion though i'm glad i got you fired up or maybe i'm not glad i got you fired up no it's great I'm, I'm, this is this is like honestly it's great to talk about asian football i'm so happy people are willing to listen you know it just makes me like just happy to talk about it as we speak, Montong United is 11th in the Thai Premier League. As, as I see you roll your eyes and pull your hair out, I apologize. This interview is being <laughs> taped in October 2022, so I hope they get better as the season goes on. But for a period, they were one of the richest clubs in Thailand, but in recent years have struggled, only gaining achievements in the top flight from second division in 2009. They're, it's a relatively new team, as you have pointed out, and they are a team where their glory days were only a decade ago. So what is, what does this squad need to do in order to get back to that? Mm, all right. So yeah, Meng Tong, um, I think second most successful team by titles one in the Thai league. Um, we used to have Robbie Fowler for a brief period as our striker. I'm from Liverpool. Yeah. We had wow. um, Slavisa Jokanovic as our manager, formerly of Fulham and Watford. Uh, so we've had some, Pretty decent players come through the. Uh, we had Jay Bothroyd for a bit as well uh, up top. So yeah, we've had a few like very solid players. Um, a few very good Korean players came as well. Um, but yeah, recently, so Myung Pong have been have had financial difficulties for a few years now. Um, most of our squad is on our basically from our academy. I think like most of our starting eleven came from our academy right now. Um, and we just have not invested. And every summer is the same, where it's like we literally need this one position to improve and we will improve massively. And then we just don't have that. And we look at our academy ranks and we're like, well, like, like we don't have this position. What do we do? Like, it's just drop points. You know, that's kind of the place. I'm really annoyed. I, I've, we, we lost 1 0 in a game that we should have won like yesterday and I haven't got over it. I'm, I'm terribly annoyed. I'm, I'm, I'm like, yeah. Our coach right now is uh, Mario Jarovsky. I say right now because by the time it's posted, he might not be our coach. He's probably our best ever player. Um, he Jokanovic bought him in from Serbia when he was coaching us back in 2012. He became the manager two years ago, and he finished in top four with a very young squad last year, wow. which was like an incredible achievement. And we're sort of back down to earth now because while we were top four i'd say like in terms of quality we're maybe six or seven in the league right so we we from overachieving last year we sort of dropped down and now we're underperforming but that's how these things go it's it's cyclical um almost every week it's like a will he stay will he go kind of thing with mario it's kind of tough um he's i think if he doesn't win his next game it could be his last is what has been said in the media um so we could well have a new coach by the time this goes up. But what we need to do, and this is how we console ourselves, this is the copium that we Tong fans take every week when we're in the stadium, we talk about it. Um, we're like, well, at least we're not a club like some of our other rivals who are spending a lot of money at the behest of a rich owner and have no revenue to back it up, right? Mm -hmm. So the hope is like, you all will be screwed in 10 years and we'll be fine, right? Like, we'll be okay. And we'll suffer now, but in 10 years, like, we'll be, we'll be great. And that's how, that's the copium we take. Whether that will come true or not, just got to be patient, you know? Like we we play, um, we play, uh, we try and play possession football off in the back every time. So like our keeper passes better than some midfielders in the Thai league. I'm just going to say, he's a better passer than the midfielders in the Thai league. 
we always play under Mario. We always play from the back when we pass out, and we treat we treat that like the age levels and that's in the first week. But we don't have the players yet to play like that. So it's very easy to pump a long ball in and destroy us, but we <laughs> stick with it, right? And then then I'll always be like, well, people get Arteta time. Look what he's doing at Arsenal right now, right? Just give, you know, just wait, just wait, just keep trying it eventually. But I I don't know how long the the patience is is gonna is gonna be for that. Wow. Here's the thing. The team plays in a stadium with the most badass name of all time, the Thunderdome Stadium. So what is the atmosphere like on game day? And take us there. Walk us through that. And if that okay. name doesn't amplify the players to give 150%, I don't know what will. Hey, can I, I ruin your... your, your uh... Can I burst the bubble here? We're only Thunderdome now because we're just waiting for a new sponsor to take the stadium. <laughs> for my Thunderdome, Thunderdome is is the name of like it's the it's like it's the stadium and also the adjacent football stadium that we they call Thunderdome like that. Gotcha. But our okay. stadium itself, uh, it's it's been called the SCG Stadium for the for most of my time watching it. I still call it the SCG. I I forget that we're called Thunderdome actually. So I keep saying, let's go to the, the SCG, you know, that's how I, right. uh, which is Sam Cement Group. Um, I, I think we're going to be a new, I think we might be Mitsubishi Stadium by next year, which is, is not as lovely not, as Thunderdome. Mitsubishi's if got it money. brings in a new yeah. defensive mid, I'll take it. I'll sell my naming rights for new number six. I will do it. I will, I will do it. Please, okay, please take the naming rights. I'm sick of conceding these counterattack goals with no one to intercept the ball and losing every 50-50. I'll take it. I'll sell the, I'll sell the club's naming rights for a proper DM at this point. It's been... <laughs> <I'll> just... <laughs> suffering fan. It's, I mean, this, but this is what's great. This is, this is, I'm so happy I didn't pick the fan who has the number one team in Thai football. I'm happy I picked the fan who is the 11th team in Thai football because to get uh, we should passion. not be the I I'm triggered how are we 11th I I we should not six that worth I swear <laughs> oh yeah oh my goodness mm. all right so you mm. won't be all right so it might not be the Thunderdome Stadium which is a bummer but I hope someone else writes <laughs> the name of that right somewhere in the world but what is mm. that atmosphere like on game day is it like are there mm. Is there a parking lot where there's barbecues or mm. like they are in American tailgates for American football? Or is it like something where in Italy where there's like a procession almost with fireworks and flames and all sorts of crazy stuff happening as, mm. as the fans march, as the Corva, as you guys call yourselves as well, yeah. into yeah. the towns. What, so what's that like? Take me into that atmosphere. Mm-hmm. All right. So for arriving at the stadium, unfortunately, Thailand is a very car-centric country. Unfortunately, it's a lot of our cities were built under American influence or American style design. Um, so huge parking lots. We're right next to a convention center, like Bangkok's biggest convention center, um, which hosts like K-pop concerts and all that. We've had to postpone quite a few games because of K-pop concerts and it hasn't helped my opinion of them at all. But yeah, <laughs> those people, those people. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of parking lots available in the stadium. Um, there's going to be uh, public transport links Soon, hope you know that's the plan. Uh, but yeah, so fans um, usually come by car or motorcycle. Um, there's a lot of food around the ground, like stalls and stuff. People pick up like you know street food around the ground. 
Um, I'd say on an average game, we have between um, five to 7,000 people, which is about half the capacity of the stadium. If a big team is around, if our big, big rival, we can get up to 10,000 uh, with, with a great atmosphere. Um, yeah, the, 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 the curva, the hardcore, usually go in pretty early. Um, these, you know, taking a smoke break behind the stand. And it, it, I try to avoid the smell of their smoke break behind the stand. And they get into the ground. Um, and th- we have an anthem. We kind of sing the anthem. I don't, many clubs don't have an anthem. Only a few that I know of, we like, they sing the anthem before the game. And then from start to finish, it's mostly just drumming and singing the same three songs on repeat. I wish they changed it up a bit. I'm normally at the forest, uh, one on one of the sides, um, swearing aggressively at players who are not scanning before they receive the ball or giving it away or trying too much dribbling. Uh, but yeah, um, it's if you're going to go, I mean, behind the goal is really intense and fiery, then most of the rest of the stadium is very really family friendly. You'll see the kids like running around, like mid game, there'll be like three kids running in front of you. Like, oh, I guess that's the thing. But yeah, that's it's it's kind of the if you want to be in like a hardcore, like that kind of thing, you can, there's a place in the stadium for that. If you want to go with like a three year old kid and, and sit and chill, and there's a place for that as well. So it's a good balance. Um, it's not always, and I'll be honest with you, it's not always loud and raucous. Some days it's kind of, you know, if it's, if it's been raining or if there's, you know, something else going on, it, it can dip, but on a good day, it's, it's one of the best atmospheres for sure in Thailand. That's awesome. This sounds awesome. Now time for a coffee break. Curva Mundial is sponsored by Mod Cup Coffee in Jersey City. But you can get it anywhere in the world from modcup.com. Modcup, drink modern coffee. Use code MUNDIAL for 10% off your first order. We are now about to enter the Thunderdome, if you will. Here's the best part of the podcast. Uh, Oh, dear. I'm going to (laughs) add... It's three rapid-fire questions pertaining to your club. Okay. So just uh, so here mm-hmm. we go. Uh, if you could bring back one retired player to your club, alive or dead, who would it be and why? Retired from my club, so played for my club, and then I bring them back. Yes, who who has played for United? Oh boy, oh boy, that is very. Oh, China Tip. He's not retired. He's he's. Oh, has to be retired. No. Yeah. Has to be retired or can be. Uh, yeah, it has to be retired. It has to be retired. Yeah. Okay. Oh man. See, because I've I've been watching since 2014, so that's pretty like recent, right? I could say the manager himself, Mario Jarovsky, but okay. I you know I'm 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 not too happy with him right now over some recent decisions. Even though he's very nice, and I regret saying that, Mario, you're very nice. Thank you very much for talking to me. But yeah, uh, I would pick you uh, if we didn't lose to Taro yesterday. Um, so I'm picking Naoki Aoyama, who's this Japanese center back. We had like over a hundred something games. He was a J League regular. I don't know how we snagged him, and he he put his you know life on the line every game for Milton. And and with with Aoyama there, like we we just thought we'd never really concede a goal. You know, it, it was really easy to you know win games with Aoyama at the at the back. And you know, ever since he's left, um, it hasn't been the same. So Naoki Aoyama, definitely. Okay. Now, money is not an option here. You have more money than PSG. You have more money than the Manchester mm. City group. If your club could sign one player today, who would it be and why? Fabregas. Easy. Even at his current age, easy. You know, I, I, I remember, you know, being a Chelsea fan, like how we got him, how amazing he was. I, we, yeah, Fabregas. Easy. 
All right. He's currently playing. Have you seen where, where he is now? He's in Italy, right? In the second division. Or something yeah, like that, yeah. Como, which is awesome because he's living the mm-hmm. life because it's such a gorgeous place and he's second mm-hmm. division. But City B this year, this season, has got some good names to it. So and I'm happy that he's he's living his best life mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, I, I mean, if he can, someone can listen to come to the room before he retires. I, I really appreciate it. <laughs> give your pitch right now. Why should he come? Give the pitch right now. I mean, look, he could come next year. I think he only signed a one-year deal. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Thailand. Eh? Just come and have fun. Actually, don't have too much fun. Train seriously and play well. Uh, we play possession football. Um, the fans will love you. The stadium like will reach full capacity every week if you come. You you would like change the future of this club like forever. Uh, and yeah, we just we play the football you'd want to play in, except we lose. So just come and make us win. It's simple. Look, if he comes, <laughs> we're gonna have to go out to a game, man. That's it. I'm gonna fly yeah. to Thailand with whatever like three dollars I have. We'll fly to Thailand. We'll go to a game. You take <laughs> me on the best day. We'll go watch him. And finally, what has been your favorite moment as a fan? Mm, okay, it was I was behind the goal. It was uh, Myung Tong versus Brisbane War in the Asian Champions League, and we had to beat Brisbane to get to the knockout stage. And we were on a counter attack. And Chanatip, I think you've heard of Chanatip. He's like the best type player right now possibly ever plays for Kawasaki in Japan. So it's a counter attack. He spins it, he gets the ball, spins the first player, goes, dribbles around the keeper and scores to the goal that I'm right, I'm right behind that goal. And he dribbles around the keeper and walks into the goal and we get to the knockout stage of the Champions League. That's gotta be like the number one moment. And you were there for that? Yeah, I was just behind the goal. And wow. it, I took a friend for there. It was a, probably their possibly their first Montong game. But my friend, then they, they they did that, and I'm like, yeah, there we go, brilliant, yeah, brilliant, yeah. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on, talking about Thailand, talking about Thai football, talking about Asian football, and mm-hmm. bringing your culture here to Kurva Mundial. Thank you so much, my friend. Yeah, thank you for having me. Follow us on Twitter at Kurva Mundial Pod and subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.